Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for $1 a month for six months. It's a great deal. There's always great stuff going on at The Athletic. You know, football is starting to, you know, wind up into the playoffs, but the NBA is, is, is kicking into gear. So there's great stuff about the NFL, great stuff about college football. you got the college football playoffs coming up. So if you're a fan of any other sport, it's also a great way to uh, stay current on all that stuff, so go to the athletic.com slash NBA show and check it out. With me, as always, is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, tell me what happened in the NBA this week. Well, Andrew, it all started on Friday night with the Lakers, who won on the road in Milwaukee, 132-129. to 129. Anthony Davis scored 44 in the game. He followed Ooh. up that performance with 55 against the Wizards. Now at that point, 10 and 12, it looked like the Lakers might have a shot to get back to 500, but bad luck struck once again, this time with AD exiting the Cavs game with flu-like symptoms. The Lakers finished the week 10 and 14 after two more losses, but the good news for Lakers fans is that LeBron and AD are both expected back for the Friday night game against the Sixers. Even more exciting, December 15th is right around the corner, the day on which 89% of the league will be eligible to be traded. And when that day passes with no Lakers trades, we can then turn our attention to another date in the future (laughs) and continue doing Lakers trade segments every week until February. On Saturday, the Sacramento Kings beat the Los Angeles Clippers 123-96. Early in the season, all the Kings all-star buzz was focused on De'Aaron Fox, but how about Damanis Sabonis? Sabonis scored 24 in the game on 10 for 11 shooting while also making a defensive impact. Did you know that among the eight five-man units that have played at least 200 minutes together in the league, the Kings' starting lineup has the best defensive rating? Did you know that in their last 15 games, the Kings have the 15th-ranked defense? Did you know that in their last eight games, they have the fifth-ranked defense? Yeah. On Sunday, the New Orleans Pelicans had an impressive 121-106 victory over the Denver Nuggets. Jose Alvarado, who was on a two-way contract this time last season, scored 38 in the win, including eight three-pointers. Through 24 games, the Pelicans have now had five different players score 30 in a game, giving credence to the idea of the Pels being one of the deepest teams in the league. The Pelicans are on a five-game winning streak atop the Western Conference at 16-8, and and by the time you hear this, they will have faced off against the number two team in the West, the Phoenix Suns, for the first of two matchups this weekend. 
On Monday, the Oklahoma City Thunder went into Atlanta and beat the Hawks 121-114. Shea Gilgis-Alexander had his seventh straight 30-point game in the win, continuing his all-star play this season. The bigger story nationally, however, was the ongoing drama between Trey Young and Hawks coach Nate McMillan. On Sunday, Sham Sharania reported that Young and McMillan had had an exchange during shoot-around of last Friday's game that, quote, led to Young choosing not to attend the team's home win over Denver. Now, both Young and McMillan downplayed the report before the loss to OKC, and while some may argue that these sorts of things happen all the time between closed doors in the NBA, they certainly don't always get leaked, which seems to be a recurring issue with the Hawks and Trey Young. The Hawks have lost 5 of 7 and are now 13 and 12. On Tuesday, the Dallas Mavericks, who just one week ago were having the week from hell, bounce back in impressive fashion, beating the Nuggets 116-115 to 115 after Dorian Finney-Smith hit a go-ahead three with 17 seconds left. The Mavs are currently on a three-game winning streak, which also includes a win over the Suns and have jumped from 11th to 7th in this wild Western Conference. On Wednesday, there was a lot of intrigue. You had the Jazz coming back from four down against the Warriors with 13 seconds left to win on a last-second dunk. Oh my gosh, so You crazy. had the... Uh, the marquee matchup between the Celtics and Suns that we had been waiting for, turning into an absolute shellacking with Boston winning 125-98. But hey, let's talk about the Magic, who we've barely discussed this season. In what has been another injury-filled season so far, the Magic snapped a nine-game losing streak, getting their sixth win of the year in a 116-111 overtime win over the Los Angeles Clippers. Magic trailed by 17 points late in the third quarter, but stormed back behind Franz Wagner and Paolo Bancaro, who closed overtime by making six straight free throws. Bancaro is currently averaging 22-7-4, rounded up, in his rookie season. And finally, on Thursday night, we had one of the games of the season between the Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers. As Jonathan Wagner detailed on Twitter, there were a total of 15 lead changes in the final six and a half minutes of the game, including several Dame Time specials from deep. Now, Dame finished the game with 40, but it was the Nuggets who saw the final lead change go in their favor when Jamal Murray hit a three over Jeremy Grant with 0.9 seconds remaining. It was a big win for Denver, who came into the game on a three-game losing streak. The win takes them to 15-10, and 10, and they sit fourth in the Western Conference. What a week it was, Andrew. What a week indeed. You know, Al, sometimes I like to sift through stats mm. on cleaningtheglass.com. And, I love you know, to sift. I was sifting through, and uh, there were three stats in here that made me say, hmm. Number one, hmm. P.J. Tucker. Everybody's been talking about P.J. Tucker. The guy just doesn't shoot the basketball. He scored 15 points in his last 10 games. Wow. 32 total shot attempts. Seven games where he had zero points. Amazing. In those 10. 317 minutes in the last 10 games as well. Plays a prominent role. But this is what made me say, hmm. According to Cleaning the Glass, the 76ers are a plus 7.8 when he's on the court. And the Sixers offense is a plus 7.2 whenever he is on the court. That is the best on the 76ers team. <laughs> and you know what that made me say, Al? It made me say, hmm. I thought that was uh, weird. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I've been hearing a lot about P.J. Tucker lately, and I wouldn't say all of it's been positive, Andy. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's nice no to one's, hear No one's talking positive. about how cleaning the glass thinks the, uh, the, the numbers are saying that he's their best offensive player, <laughs> which is just wild. That's awesome. Uh, 
The second stat is Dylan Brooks, the often maligned because he has terrible shot selection in his game, just gets a little bit too big for his britches, Dylan Mm. Brooks. Mm -mm -mm. He is a plus 11.4 when he's on the court for the Grizzlies this season. It's the second best on the team. The offense is a plus two. That's pretty good. But the defense, I just want to talk about his defense. The defense is 9.4 points better when he's on the court. That's in the 95th percentile in the league for a wing. Now, some of these like on-offs numbers can be a little fluky, but it does seem to match the eye test. He was probably one of the best players defending Shea Gildas-Alexander the other night, where Shea could basically only score from the free throw line because Dylan Brooks was just draped all over him. So I think Dylan Brooks, honestly, is one of the more underrated wing defenders in the league, and that stat made me say, hmm. Yeah, and and I mean, Shea, who's had such an amazing season, his two games against the Grizzlies have been some of the most exhausting basketball I've watched this season. You could argue his two worst games were against the Grizzlies. Yes, definitely. Yeah, thanks he's to trying. Dylan Brooks. He's trying. Oh, he's trying. He keeps driving in there, but yep. man, they are tough. Yeah, because D- Dylan is super strong, too. And he like the effort that he plays with and just the gumption that he plays with every game is just kind of unbelievable. Uh, the last stat that made me say, hmm, the Nets in the mid-range. As a team, the Nets are shooting the best in the mid-range this season, 49.2%. That's well above the league average of 42%. But Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, one, it's just amazing that we get to talk about basketball with these two. Just you know, praise the Lord for that. And the fact that they dominate the mid-range is really something. Kyrie is shooting 58% in the mid-range this season. That's 98th percentile for a guard. And Durant is shooting 58% as well in the mid-range. That's 90th percentile for a big. And Durant has taken the most mid-range shots for a quote-unquote big this season. Those two have been unstoppable. And if they can get the outside shooting to work for the Nets, this could actually be a dangerous team. And I, I just feel like there's a dangerous team kind of percolating in Brooklyn right now. And those mid-range, like the mid-range is, is usually what's wide open in the playoffs. And it allows, you know, teams to just, that's where they can get their points. And so that stat alone just made me say, hmm. And I just yeah. wonder if we're just under, we're, no one wants to talk about the Nets. No one really wants to make predictions about the Nets. But I just wonder if there's a dangerous team lurking. Yeah, this has been a a really nice couple of weeks for Nets fans, just to kind of get back to some sense of normalcy. I mean, shout out to our friends over at the Glue Guys, oh, who are getting great, to just po- have normal podcasts. Yeah, again, just talking just about talking basketball, about basketball, unbelievable so nice. that a basketball podcast would actually get to talk about basketball. But yeah, <laughs> shouts to Mike Smeltz and the Glue Guys. Brian, what's up, guys? You guys are great. Um, well, Andrew, this week I want to talk about the Western Conference, and I'm going to start by saying something inflammatory. Okay. Oh my. I think this is the worst Western Conference since I started watching the NBA. Now, oh, that God. that's going to sound okay. negative. That, all right? It is. I would say it is negative. No, I said it sounds negative. It sounds <laughs> like I'm taking a shot at the teams doing well in the conference yeah. right now. Sure. But that's that's really not my point and not what I'm saying, which I'll eventually get to. But to first back up my claims, let's look at some history. First, I think anyone who's followed the NBA over the last two decades or so knows that the Western Conference has been the superior conference during that period. No doubt. If you don't agree for some reason, I have a stat for you. I've prepared yeah, a stat for you. Yeah, you're wrong. Yeah. You are wrong, but I prepared a stat to prove it to you. Uh, so I went back to the 98 season, Jordan's final season with the Bulls. That's that's basically around when I started watching the NBA. Sure. As as a young as a young lad. 
I counted up how many teams won at least 57 games. Now, 57 games is a little arbitrary, but honestly, anything I would have chosen would have been arbitrary. And I chose it because it's right at a 70% winning percentage. In the last 25 years, there have been 22 Eastern Conference teams to win at least 57 games, a little under one team per season. Okay. In the Western Conference, there have been 53 teams that have won at least 57 games. 53. Furthermore, there has never been a season in the last 25 years, and you can actually go all the way back to the 83-84 season, where at least one Western Conference team hit that 57-win mark. Now, as I mentioned, none of this should be surprising. We've all known the Western Conference has been the better conference, and outside of a couple years around 2010, where I think you could make the argument the East was better, at least at the top, you know, that was when you had LeBron's Cavs, KG's Celtics, Dwight's magic. Dwight's magic doesn't <laughs> sound as normal, but it's Dwight's magic. Uh, it's always been the Western Conference. And as far back as I can remember, there have always been not just good regular season teams in the West, but dominant teams. You know, yeah, Golden sure. State, San Antonio, OKC, Dallas, Phoenix, the Lakers. All these teams have had multi-season runs as dominant regular season teams. Okay, back to my original premise, though. This is the worst Western Conference in my NBA watching career. I went back again to Jordan's last Bulls season, 1998, and looked at the standings day by day to see when the team at the top of the standings in the West first picked up their eighth loss. So, for example, this season, if you look at the standings day by day, the first time the best team in the West had eight losses was on December 5th when the 16-win Suns picked up their eighth loss. Yeah. Last year, in comparison... That didn't occur till January 5th, when the Golden State Warriors, who had 29 wins at the time, picked up their eighth loss. Wow. So I went back 25 years and looked at this. The Suns' 16 wins is the lowest of the last 25 years. In fact, on average, the best team in the West had 30 wins before they picked up their eighth loss. So they were 30-8. and eight. There was a 30-8 and eight team wow. in, the, in the West. Wow. Now, this is admittedly skewed by the Warriors season when they started off 68 and 8. I was going to say, yeah. But the point stands, okay? The only <laughs> season that was close was the 2018 19 season when Denver got off to a 17 and 8 start and were atop the conference. That season was Katie's final one in Golden State, a generationally dominant team that got off to a 15 and 9 record coming off of four straight finals. Still finished the season 57 and 25 in the top of the standings. This season does not feel that way to me, at least not yet. Now, the Pelicans, who are atop the conference, they're 16 and 8, on pace to win a very respectable 54 games. Yeah. But it does not seem, at least to me, like there is a clearly dominant team on the level of those 57 win Western Conference teams that I mentioned earlier that we Definitely grew not. up with. You Definitely know? not. Yeah. Now, maybe we'll look back and say, oh, it was Phoenix all along. You just caught them on a terrible week. They're, they bounce back and they'll be this season's 57 win Western Conference team. They'll keep the streak alive. But I'm not so sure, Andrew. I think we may be in uncharted territory in the West in a way that we've never been before. And so when I started this off by saying this was the worst Western Conference of my NBA watching life, it sounds negative, but it actually makes me incredibly excited for the rest of the season. Will we see our first Western Conference season without a 57-win team since 1983-84, the last time that happened, 40 years ago? Will a team like Phoenix or Golden State catch fire and make this outlier-looking season look completely normal in retrospect? Or 
Will a new team like New Orleans or Memphis or someone else go on a second half run and kind of signal a changing of the guard in the West? For the first time in my NBA watching career, the West feels genuinely open 25 games into the season in a way it really hasn't before. I don't see the dominant team that we've had at least one of every season for the last 25 years. Now, New Orleans is deservedly getting attention this week with some classic Are They a Contender podcast segments. Sure. But we're also in a place where, for the teams chasing New Orleans, a six- or seven-game winning streak, which isn't that much, honestly, could completely change the way we think about the season. And that exercise arguably stretches all the way down to the 13th spot where the Lakers currently sit. If we were doing our own version of the Are the Pels a Contender segment, it would be a very short segment because the answer is obviously yes. Look at this Western Conference. Who couldn't challenge for the top spot in the conference with two weeks of good games? And so, yes, right now, as of today, December 9th, December 10th when you're listening to it, I think this is the worst Western Conference of the last 25 years. But I also think it is one of the most exciting and would believe any number of stories for how the rest of the season is going to play out. And that gets me pumped and jacked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're 25 games in and 12 of the 15 teams have double digit losses. They do. That, that is, that is crazy. And the number that separates the league, I mean, the Oklahoma city thunder who no one's really giving them a prayer to make even the play in. They're only five and a half back of the first spot. Crazy. In (laughs) the Western conference. Five and a half back. The Timberwolves, who have had just a just a horrific season. Things have gone just as about as bad as they could have so far. They're four games back. They're a game and a half back of the sixth seed. It's amazing. So I love this. So anything can happen. This is this is the the Adam Silver dream, right? Where it's it like is we because don't, we don't have any clue what's going on. Coming into the season, a lot of the talk was about the the tank for Wimby sweepstakes, you know? Yeah. And which teams are going to fall out. And the way it's setting up right now, I mean, those two teams who we expected to kind of be challenging for play-in or playoffs who are not in there, which are the Lakers and the Wolves, really no incentive to tank. So zero. they're they're not going to be a pivot team. So really it's just OKC as the one team where you could see potentially pivoting. All the rest of these teams have very good reasons to do as well as they possibly can do this season. And that just gets me really excited because I, that wasn't really the the talk going into the season. No. It was going to be, we're going to see the nastiest tanking you've ever seen. <laughs> and to back that up, this week, I mean, Houston, we talked about, they beat yeah. uh, the Suns. They also beat the Sixers. The Magic beat the Clippers. They got a nice win. The, yeah. the Spurs. Did you see the Spurs got a win? They won. Thursday they actually night. won a game. Now, yeah. it, was, it was against Houston. But they broke an yeah. eleven game losing streak. Even they got a win. There's there's yeah. no team that's like I feel like at this point in the season, there would usually be a team that was like three or four wins and it's just like clearly the worst team in the league. Yeah. And I do think the Spurs are that team, but even for them, they have seven wins. Yeah. Yeah. They they still find a way sometimes. So sometimes. uh speaking of finding a way, a team that's still trying to find their way is the Phoenix Suns. We're gonna talk about them right after this break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any 
time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. Andrew, it is time once again for the Wheel of Fandom. This week, the Wheel of Fandom landed on the Phoenix Suns, who at the time were riding high. Number one in the West, we were looking forward to the big showdown with Boston. What happened next? Well, it started with a one-point loss at home to the Houston Rockets on Friday. Entertaining, but a bad loss. They followed that up with a 38-point win over the hapless Spurs, and that's when things took a turn. The Suns lost their next two games to the Mavericks and Celtics by a combined 46 points, including that marquee matchup against the Celtics, a game in which Boston were up by 45 at one point. Chris Paul is back from injury, but after that 1-3 week, the Suns are now 16-9 and have dropped a second in the West behind the Pelicans. Andrew, if the Suns are our favorite team this week, who is our guest? We've got Gerald Bourget, a Suns writer and podcaster for PHNX, where you can find them at gophnx.com. Gerald, what's up, man? Not a lot. How about you guys? Uh, man, just watching tons of basketball all the time. Watching the Suns team, I thought I thought we'd be having a different conversation than we did <laughs> a week ago. Um you know, after those two blowout losses, one to a team that knocked Phoenix out last year and another to a team that's the best in the East, what's your current concern level with the Suns? Uh, was this just a bad couple of games or are there deeper issues that were exposed this week? I think it's a combination of both. I think if you look at where they are in the league, obviously people are freaking out. They drop from first to second in the West. Oh my God. Like they still have, <laughs> they still have like the fourth best record or tied for the fourth best record. They have like the fourth best point differential. I think they're still a top 10 offense and defense, despite how bad they played the last two games. But at the same time, the last two games kind of spoke to issues that have been under the surface for a while now. If you've looked at this roster, like this is a team that's been very close to a title the last two years, but hasn't made any substantial upgrades to kind of get them over the hump. Um, Everybody's attention was on Kevin Durant, but then when you look at what they were able to accomplish after not getting KD, it wasn't a whole lot. Like they hit on kind of the end of rotation guys like Damian Lee, like Josh Okogie's giving them good minutes, but they didn't upgrade their top six or seven guys in any way. And they didn't provide another creator outside of Devin Booker. Like they want Mikhail Bridges to be that guy. He's not consistent enough. They had Chris Paul as that guy last year. He might be past that point of his career. So 
you're looking at a team that right now, unless they make a substantial move of some sort, I think tops out as a second round Western Conference Finals team, maybe if things swing their way. Yeah, you mentioned Chris Paul. After his 14-game absence, he's averaging career lows in points and field goal percentage mm-hmm. uh, through his first 11 games this season. Just given what you saw last season from him, you know, is there hope that maybe he, he can return to form, or is this just kind of the Chris Paul that we're going to see the rest of the way? Yeah, it's tough to answer because he's only played, I think, like 11 games, and the 10 that he played before he got hurt, it was kind of a product of function because they are trying to play him off the ball a little bit more. Um, And he's always been a great catch and shoot guy, but at age 37, his release is not as uh, quick as it used to be. Um, So he's not as effective in that role. And there's been a learning adjustment process, even for him after doing it a certain way for the first, you know, 17 years of his career, whatever it is. So I think part of it is that, but at the same time, like he's not as spry and getting to his spots anymore in the mid range, which is a concern because that's kind of the biggest thing that he brought to the table. Um, so I think you're kind of bracing a little bit for the possibility that Chris Paul is, he's still an elite passer. I think he was near the top of the league in assists before he went out. But at this stage of his career, I just don't know if he is the point God anymore. So thinking about potential moves, the obvious route for a shakeup is a Jay Crowder trade who is still mm-hmm. on the Suns and still not playing. I'm sure Suns fans have thrown out hundreds of fake trade ideas at this point. When you think about the return in a potential Crowder trade, what are Phoenix's biggest needs right now? And are there any favorite fake trades that you have with Jay Crowder? Yeah, I think the biggest needs you look at this roster, obviously a little bit more size at the four would be good, especially, you know, Cam Johnson is out, Jay Crowder sitting at home. Like that's two starting caliber fours that you're missing out on Hmm. with this team. So a little bit of depth there would help. But my biggest thing is you need kind of a bench scorer, creator, offensive initiator. Like campaign has kind of proven over the last two years to be up and down. He's kind of a roller coaster ride. And last year in the playoffs, they really couldn't depend on him in that spot. Um, So you need another guy that can handle the rock, that can create his own shot, that can shoot a little bit from three, uh, maybe a little bit of wing depth, just because we've seen that get banged up in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, you kind of look around the league and we, Suns fans have kind of turned into Lakers fans in terms of that guy in a Suns jersey. We don't have to give anything <laughs> up. It's going to totally work out. Um, I do like, you know, Kyle Kuzma is a name that's come up. He's having like a career yeah. year with the Wizards. I'm not sure why they would give him up for Jay Crowder. That might have to be a, a three team deal where you send Crowder to a contender that wants him and then you get Kuzma. But I, I, you know, it, it's tough right now. Eric Gordon is another attainable name. You would think he's not going to move the needle for you too much, but he would help with some of those creation issues off the bench. Um, those are two of the big names that come up. Obviously, KD, if he were to become available, but that ship feels like it's sailed by now. Yeah, there was a lot of hype around KD over the summer. It felt like it felt like he was going to be a son. I bet you guys had, you know, the, I bet the fan base had a, had a lot of a uh, fake KD jerseys floating around and whatnot oh yeah the photoshops were very real at that time <laughs> yeah so as bad as this past week was the suns had been playing really well mm-hmm. going into the week despite injuries to chris paul and cam johnson and not having jay crowder part of that early success was the play of devin booker who's having a career year and depending on your definition may still not be in his prime yet have there been any new wrinkles or developments in booker's game this season that have you excited 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and this was something Monty was speaking to before the season, is when you get to a certain level of superstardom in the NBA, it's not just, you know, the numbers you put up or the points that you score, but the way that you kind of bend defenses to your will and that frees up things for other players. And the biggest thing for me with his growth this season has been the way that he's handled double teams. He's been really good about getting off the ball quickly and trusting his guys to make plays. You know, if hockey assists were tracked a little bit more diligently, I'd be willing to wager bookers near the top in that category. Um, you know, he, he's been really good about that and not just making the hockey assists, but actually finding guys on the weak side based on where the defense is going to be. He's gotten really good at reading where the help side guys are caught, finding guys in the back corner, things like that. Um, so that's kind of been my biggest thing. And he's really had to step up in the playmaking department with Chris Paul sideline for 14 games. Um, so that's that's been my biggest thing. Obviously, you look at he's putting up career scoring numbers as well on pretty efficient shooting splits. Um, but the the ability to kind of use traps and not just get out of them, but kind of work them to the Suns advantage has been huge. During the summer, DeAndre Ayton was probably the biggest story for the Suns. Had the disappa- disappointing and bad vibes into the season. Um, and then he signed that offer sheet, quickly matched by Phoenix. What are your current thoughts on both his play this season and his long-term future in Phoenix? Yeah, it's been a little bit up and down. And I think he got off to an inconsistent start this season. And he'll be the first to tell you he wasn't happy with the way he started the year. And then he really kind of turned it around for a stretch. I think he had a career-high streak of seven straight double-doubles, which... It's kind of surprising it's only at seven with a guy like that. But um, he won Western Conference Player of the Week. He had really good showings and was playing with a lot more physicality than we're used to seeing, Uh, you know, initiating contact on his drives. Because this is a guy that for his career has only averaged like two and a half free throw attempts per game as a seven footer. Um, And for that stretch, he kind of nearly doubled it there. So it felt like he was kind of turning the page. Then he had a pair of kind of underwhelming performances. So it's been a little bit up and down this season. Um, I don't think the vibes are nearly as bad now as they were entering the year. You know, everybody made a big deal of the whole me and Monty haven't spoken in four months thing. Um, But, you know, after Patrick Beverly kind of body checked him from behind the other night, he was talking about how the reason he kept his composure was the long-term focus that Monty has instilled in this team as far as, don't do anything that's going to get you suspended or taken off the court because we need you right now. Um, and to hear him talking about his head coach that way, it does feel like whatever hatchet there might have been there has been buried since then. So would it surprise you at this point if the kind of eight and trade rumors kind of get stirred up again? A little bit, but at the same time, like I don't think anyone outside of Devin Booker on this roster should be off limits. Like yeah. I, I think this current iteration is good enough to make some tweaks and compete for a title. But at the same time, you're looking around and like Booker's number two option is either Mikhail Bridges, who is having a career year but has been inconsistent on the nights when Book is off, or DA, who is very good but can't really create his offense. So you need like a second piece. And normally Chris Paul was that guy, but he might not be. So in my mind, I'm not sure anybody on this roster is safe. DA does have the ability to kind of shut down any trade. Um, So, you know, those veto powers make it difficult, but I don't think, I think DA loves being here in Phoenix. He loves playing with this group of guys. He loves playing for Monty. So I don't know that he would want to go anywhere unless you know, they come out against the Pelicans and do exactly what they did against Dallas and Boston. And then maybe we're talking about 
a worse situation. But I I really be, would be surprised if that happened. Mikhail Bridges has had six games with five-plus assists this season. Last season, in 82 games, he only had eight games with five-plus assists. It's been more up and down as of late with two single-digit scoring games, but he has taken a playmaking jump this season. Looking at the future of this core, what do you think Bridges' offensive ceiling and role can be for this team? I think he can be... I mean, I don't want to say like a Chris Middleton because it feels derivative, but I I do feel like he's a guy that can get to his spots in the mid-range, and he's done that a lot more this year. Um, He's got a really nice pull-up jumper, and he's really good with the turnaround jumper as well. Uh, Monty's compared him to Glenn Robinson as far as a guy that can just kind of elevate over his defenders wherever he wants in that mid-range area. Um, And he's always been good about finishing around the rim. He's been an efficient three-point shooter, but it feels like he's starting to put it together. For him, it's just a matter of that consistency, like I was talking about. Um, There are those nights where Book, any superstar in the league, is off. And those are the nights when you would like to see Mikael Bridges be capable of kind of stepping up and taking over that scoring load. He's not quite there yet. Um, But I do think with the playmaking component, that's definitely been by design. They want to put him in more situations where he can create, where he's in the pick and roll. Um, And that's part of why Chris Paul has been playing off the ball more is Mikael's kind of the chief one that's been taking over a little more playmaking duties. And he's been very good in that role. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
Well, Gerald, thank you for answering our questions. But it is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat, Phoenix Suns Edition. (laughs) Now, uh, this is our weekly trivia show where Andrew goes head-to-head with an NBA beat writer. This week, his opponent, Gerald Borgay, writer and podcaster for PHNX. Gerald, how this works, I've come up with eight trivia questions about the Suns or uh, related to the Suns. Uh, Some are easy, some are hard. You're going to give me a number between one and eight, and I'll correspond to a question. If you get it right, you'll get at least two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one, and then we'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So to start us off, Gerald, I just need a number between one and eight. All right, let's do three. Question number three. Who leads the Suns in total blocks this season? Oh, boy. <laughs> you would like to say DA, but I think it might actually be Bismack Biombo. Gerald? That is correct for right. two points. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. He, has, he has one of the highest <laughs> like block rates in the league right now. Yeah. Um, okay, that's two points for Gerald. And Andrew, you have control of the board. Number one. Uh, question number one. Oh, I, I marked the wrong question off. Or the wrong one off. Um, question number one. Devin Booker recently scored 136 points over a three-game span in games against Chicago, Sacramento, and Houston. The last player to score more than 136 points in a three-game span in the regular season was this player, who did it in August of 2020. Hmm. August of 2020. August of 2020. Is this Donovan Mitchell? That is incorrect. Gerald, you have a chance to steal. Oh, boy. August of 2020. Jamal Murray? That's a very good guess, but it is incorrect. The correct answer (laughs) was Damian Lillard. Oh. (laughs) Those are the two names. You you got my other one, Gerald. That's all. I was like, it's got to be one of those. Because I was thinking the bubble. I was like, who who went off in the bubble? Those two did. Yeah, yeah. All right, Gerald, you have control of the board, and you are up by two. I will make it easy on you and scratch off that number two there. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ish Wainwright currently takes 86% of his shots from three-point land. There are only two players in the league who have played at least 20 games this season and have taken more than 86% of their shots from three. Can you name them? And you get one point per correct oh answer. My oh, man. Now, now it's just, <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> yeah, I but was going to say. This is, these aren't guys who just like played in one game and like, you know, took one three. These are guys who sure. are playing. They played at least in 20 games for their teams, and they're taking more than 86% of their shots from three. I'm trying to think if Duncan Robinson has met the requirements for this criteria. I don't yeah, know so if he has. Be a player like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess Duncan Robinson just to start. That is incorrect, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Can you think of some snipers? What about his teammate, Tyler Hero? Oh, no, that's not a good guess. Uh, (laughs) Correct answers. Sam Hauser, 88% Uh, of his shots. And then Garrison Matthews for the Rockets is taking 96% of his shots from three. That is staggering. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yes, it is. Uh, Okay, Andrew, the board is yours. Number four. All right, now this one's a little confusing, uh, so so pay attention. I'm going to read out draft slots. And you're going to tell me the Phoenix Suns player who was drafted in that slot. For instance, if I said fourth, you would say Chris Paul. Okay? 
Uh, okay. 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 You have to get five in a row to get the points. Okay. Oh man. Oh my gosh. So here we go, Andrew. Tenth. Okay. The Bridges. Nikhil Bridges. Eleventh. Booker. <clears throat> Incorrect. Okay, oh, Gerald. We start it. over with you. Now, okay. Andrew got tenth, so that was Mikhail Bridges. Eleventh. Mm-hmm. Who was taking eleventh on the Suns? Who was taking eleventh on the Suns? Um. Oh, uh, Cam Johnson. That is correct. Twelfth. Damn, I didn't know there was going to be a twelve. I thought we were going straight to thirteen. <laughs> Dang it! I feel like I think I know this now. <laughs> oh man, I'm so mad at myself. I want to. Mm, this is probably wrong. Josh Akogi? That is wrong. The no, correct it's answer, Dario, right? It was oh, Dario. So right. the Suns ah! random. <laughs> the Suns have randomly had a guy go tenth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth. And fourteenth is uh, campaign. Yep. Campaign. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a fun little thing I found. Yeah. When I was looking around. I feel like I really could. Oh, that makes me so mad at myself. All right, <laughs> All right Gerald. It's back to you. Uh, let's jump to number eight. Okay, question number eight. How many players on the current Suns roster made an all-rookie team during their rookie season? Now, you don't have to name the players. You mm-hmm. just have to give me a number. So, guys, on the current Suns roster that made an all-rookie team, it could be first all-rookie, all-rookie first team, all-rookie second team. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say four. That is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal. For one point. Five. That is correct. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Dario Saric, and Landry Shamit. Ah, Landry. (laughs) Damn you, Landry. (laughs) All right, Andrew. You've cut the lead in half. It's now two to one. And you control the board. Number five. All right, this this is a fun one. DeAndre Ayton is one of nine players currently on an NBA roster who attended the University of Arizona, and we're going to try to name the other eight. Now, how this works, Andrew's going to give me a name, then Gerald will give me a name. We'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. And Andrew, I did look it up, because you might think this is going to favor Gerald, but he is actually an Arizona State graduate, so why would he know about the University (laughs) of Arizona? So this is a fair question. Fair question. Okay, so Andrew, give me someone other than DeAndre Ayton, who is playing in the NBA, on an NBA roster, and went to Arizona. Ben Matherin. That is correct. To Jared. Gerald, sorry. Uh, Aaron Gordon. That is correct. Back to Andrew. Christian Coloco. Christian Coloco. That is correct. Back to Gerald. Uh, Lori Markinen. Lori Markinen. That is correct. Back to Andrew. <laughs> uh, Dale and Terry. Dale and Terry. That is correct. Back to Gerald. Uh, three names left. Only three names left. Zeke Naji. That is correct. <laughs> Back to Andrew. Only two Josh Green. Josh Green. Now, if you if you get this last one correct, Gerald, okay. Andrew will get two points, and you will get one point because you guys will have swept the question. Okay. <laughs> so can you name the final player who attended the University of Arizona and is currently on an NBA roster? I hope he's currently on an NBA roster, uh, but TJ McConnell keeps popping into my head. Where did, T- did TJ McConnell go to Arizona? Yeah. Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't bode well for my answer. I don't know if he's currently on a roster, though. Uh, yeah, uh, he is. Definitely. Yeah, he's, he's on a roster. He, he went to Arizona. 
oh man, why did this not pop up? <laughs> okay, well then there's another one. Andrew. Yes, oh, that, that is correct. Then. Is it because he was undrafted? Oh, maybe it was. Oh, that might be why? Oh no. There could be a, a whole Pandora's box <laughs> of Arizona players. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I have one more on my list. Andrew, if you get it, you will get the two points outright. Uh, Andre Iguodala. Yes, it is Andre Iguodala. Nice. <laughs> that was very impressive, though. You guys got all the names plus one, and who knows? There might be more Arizona Wildcats out there. Hey, it was a big, big year for the draft. It was. For the, uh, for the Wildcats. Three big guys. Uh, okay, so now, Gerald, it is your turn. Two questions left. All right, let's go to seven. Damian Lee is currently <clears throat> shooting 48.4% from three, which is the second highest three-point percentage in the league. Who is the only player in the league who is shooting better from three than Damian Lee? I want to, I know it was Yuta for a while there. I don't know if he still met the requisites, but I'm just going to guess Yuta Watanabe. Good guess, but that is incorrect. Andrew? I don't think, I don't think I know this. It's not, (laughs) it's not Sam Hauser, but I'll say Sam Hauser, but I don't think he's shooting that. It's not, though. It is his teammate, Andrew. Oh, is it? uh, I don't know. Malcolm don't know Brogdon is oh, currently Malcolm. shooting. Dang it. Yes, I did know that. I talked about it on another NBA show today. <laughs> I'm an idiot. All right, Andrew, that brings us to our final question. This is an exciting one because this will decide who wins it. You are currently up three oh, boy. to two. However, the way this question works, Gerald could get two points on this question, Andrew. Chris this Paul is, is in his 18th NBA season. How many teammates has CP3 had during his career? Now, before you answer, <laughs> oh my gosh. you get to choose who guesses first. If you guess the number first, then Gerald can go higher or lower. Okay. Or you can make Gerald guess first, and then you go higher or lower. So what would you like to do, Andrew? 87. Andrew has guessed 87. The CP3 has had 87 teammates during his 18-year NBA career. Gerald, would you like to go higher or lower? I'm going to go higher. Gerald's going higher. The correct answer is Chris Paul has played with 195 teammates. Oh, this is which a bad means guess. It was a terrible <laughs> guess, which yeah, means Gerald wins guess. the week. No. Oh, oh, oh my man. gosh. I can't believe I let it go at the end there. Gerald, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Go check out all of Gerald's work at for phnx at gophnx.com gerald thanks so much man yeah thanks for like making me look good at the end <laughs> <laughs> well andrew that was sun's week didn't work out too well for them any uh any, not good. <laughs> any hopes we had that the wheel would turn every nba team into the best team in the nba for one week uh did not happen uh i, th- I feel like sun's week officially ended that dream <laughs> but who knows? Maybe we can start a new dream this week with a brand new team. We have 23 teams remaining. Let's spin that wheel. This Hopefully week, the wheel is not a curse. <laughs> Hopefully it's not a curse. This week, the Wheel of Phantom team will be the Orlando Magic. Ooh, let's talk Palo Bowl Bowl next week. I cannot wait. I actually like this team. They're really, it is the weirdest team I've seen in person all year by far. Yeah, definitely. And I wonder if Wendell Carter Jr. is uh, healthy coming back. Please. Find out. 
please. Who are they playing? Okay, they're playing the... Oh, we get to see two games against the Raptors. Friday yep. and Sunday. Then next Wednesday, a game against Atlanta. Atlanta could be in more turmoil by then, Andrew. Ooh, Bo oh, Bo could put them into uh, maybe maybe into the trade zone. Ooh, they, the trade zone. If they lose to who knows. Uh, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Saturday Slam and Jam. If you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it on the show. Please do that so we'll have some to read next week. Hope you guys enjoy the weekend and enjoy the basketball, and we'll talk to you guys again next week. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.